to another episode of Behind the Sermon, which is my weekly bonus episode in which I get to share things that I have lived and learned throughout the week, not only in preparation of that message, but just in general, whether it was directly connected to the Sunday service or just my life, which honestly overflows into Sunday too. And so what I wanted to do today was open up with the opening segment, which is my Fast Five. My five favorite things of the week. The first one was something that was kind of like my favorite and not so favorite, which was the Super Bowl. On Sunday was great because, uh, not because my team won, because my team was not there, but it was cool because my son got to see his team win the Super Bowl. Um, I guess my second son too, you want to call him Michael Shun. And so they are Chiefs fans. And so it was really cool for them to be able to not just see that, but it was cool to kind of like live out that experience, see how excited they were. One of the most epic endings in probably in Super Bowl history ever. I mean, seeing my kid crying, experiencing that low-key jealous, but whatever, it was still cool. And so that kind of really filled my dad heart. So that was a, a cool little moment on Sunday, especially kind of surrounded by family as well. It was a good time. Uh, that was one. Another thing was uh, teaching. So I teach a, a couple days at a homeschool co-op. And I was having a conversation with a mom. It was in a Bible class. And this kid is a sharp kid. And he should be in middle school, but he's in my high school class. And when I, when I, not so much when I preach and teach on a Sunday, but I do it, I do it sometimes on a Sunday, but I'm more prone to do it in a classroom setting. Uh, it's just different. And I love doing this thing in which I will, instead of just kind of telling you an answer, telling you a conclusion, um, I'm guiding your thinking process. And I love it to see when somebody like beats me to the punch, you know, and it just kind of like, so this kid, I was doing that. We were talking about the sacrificial system and about the lamb and, and why a lamb, and this is what the lamb did. And this is what they had to go through. And then the kid asked, raises his hand and says, well, Mr. Sotolongo is, isn't Jesus called the lamb of God? And then I was like, yeah, because that's where I was going. And then I'm like, so, and then he, I started kind of, putting some breadcrumbs out there. And then it's like, so if he's a lamb of God and God had this and he was born and, and he was crucified on Passover and, and you just see it now, just do, 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 just connecting. And his like, he literally paused and goes, oh, and I'm like, the only the Holy Spirit can show you that, not me. All right. And so I, those were as a teacher that filled my teacher heart. And I love seeing that on a Sunday too, when you just start really saying and showing what's in scripture and I mean, nothing super profound. Like uh, that's kind of like the weird thing lately. I'm just kind of showing you what's there. And then the Holy Spirit. And I, I love seeing that when the Holy Spirit's really making those connections, opening up eyes, because that's one of his major, major roles, right? Is to bring up and to convince us of who is Christ and to convict us of our great need for him. And so uh, another thing, number three was part of my devotion. I've been reading this devotion, The Christian in Complete Armor. And uh, I read this and I thought it was super cool. This was from February 10th, The Accuser of the Brethren. And he was just, uh, it was just a cool reminder of something that I've, I've, I've said before, but I was, the way that he outlined it was really cool in the sense that the devil has two plans for you. All right. Number one, rob you of your salvation. And number two, if he can't do that and you get saved, well, his next mission, plan B, is to rob you of the joy of your salvation. And that this is why, as a Christian, the constant maintenance of getting in God's word and is so important. And in fact, that's one of my hearts behind even the way that I teach. Because um, teach and preach. Because listen, if somebody's preaching and not teaching, they're not preaching. 
Um, because if they're just preaching to you and making you yes, yes, and amen, and, they, and it sounds right, and it feels right, but they if, if they did not show you their work and they didn't kind of like make the make the case, then, okay, it, it's encouraging, yes. But at the same time now, how is this person going to be able to grow? Because part of the, as pastors, elders, teachers, it is to help people to grow in handling the word of God, not responding well to the word of God. So you're not preaching if you're not teaching. You're not teaching if you're not preaching. If all you do is explain the text and you don't say, you know, really hammer it home, you know, then you're not doing your job. And so that's my, that's my heart is, is to teach is to put the nail right where it needs to be. And to preach is just to hit it home. And so that was kind of cool there. And so I, I, I try to approach that. I, pr- I try to pr- apply that to teaching to my preaching and teaching as well, because I want people to obviously, A, know Christ. And I uh, talk as, about as many objections as possible that somebody may have in a sermon. And then the other things as I'm preaching is to how can I highlight anything that is either robbing you of your salvation so and robbing you of the knowledge of Christ, which is really it, so that you can continue to grow in that joy. And so in the joy of your salvation, I don't want you to be robbed of that. And so that was one, two. A uh, quick fourth. Um, this is another book that's been interesting. It's called Talk Through the Bible. What I like about it, it's just a really short synopsis of every book in the Bible. It kind of gives you an introduction, a title, date, setting, author, theme, purpose, structure. Uh, so this is kind of cool because uh, it is one of, excuse me, it is one of a few things in which helps me to really understand and get the big picture of the whole book. So if I'm going to preach from one verse in, let's just say, Jeremiah, then for me to understand that text, I must understand the context, not just how does that verse fit into that chapter, but how does that chapter fit into that section? How does that whole section fit into the whole book. So what is the main idea of the book? What was the purpose behind it? Because the better I understand the original intent of the letter, then everything else just has to connect to it. And so that's been helpful. In fact, I'm using it to do a little project, which I feel like I should have done a long time ago, but I'm trying to create and customize a two to three sentence summary of every book in the Bible with a very, very simplistic structure setting. And I'm going to memorize it. So that's something that I want to do. So and lastly, listen, this was another big week of board games that we played as a, as a family. And not only that, we got to play with uh, some of the worship team as well. We got to go over to Emily's house. And that was really nice. And so we've been playing this game, which I don't know if there's a name for it, but you all have to write down words, put it on a sheet of paper, and then you do three rounds of going through all of those words in which you have to try to get everybody to guess it uh, by saying everything but the word. You have to act it out uh, silently, and then you have to be able to use just one word to pe- for people to guess that. And so there's a Christian company called uh, Christians Cards Christians Like, and they had a version of that called Holy Guacamole. I just got it, and I'm going to test it out. And let's see, but apparently it's that. So see, there's a little thing right there, all right, a little what's it called? In this case, it says, get behind me, Satan. And so these are pre-written cards. And so I would have to try to get you to understand that phrase without me saying, get behind me or Satan. And then the next round, I have to act it out without saying anything. And third round, I can only say one word. So I haven't used these yet. Um, Some of these look interesting. Peter, uh, meat sacrifice to idols. Some are very weird. Some are like big Christian personalities. Um, some people I know, some people I don't, so I don't know. We'll check it out. But the, that is my fast five of the week. Now to the editing floor. And the editing floor is a section which I'm just really sharing everything that did not make it to the Sunday sermon. And really, there's only two things. Um, there's a lot of 
elements that were incorporated. And I mean, some details were, were interesting when it came to um, submission. Um, honestly, I, I was able to find a, a way to, I mean, this is just kind of my thing. Um, again, I'm praying about it. I don't think I overdid it. Um, so in a sense, because I crammed in a lot and, and I try to do that more again to kind of show, show you, show my work. All right. I remember in math and all those stuff, it's, it's one thing to get the answer right, but it's another thing. And sometimes it was required to show your work. How did you get there? And so, because this was such a delicate and, um, it was such a delicate topic. I'm telling you, I was like, there was a weight in the room as I was preaching, even at the end of it, that just felt heavy, but not in this like negative sense. It was like a holy heaviness in which we, it, it, I felt for me humbling. And a lot of people had that phrase as well. It's like this understanding, kind of like when Jesus talked about marriage and divorce, you know, he kind of laid it out. And one of the disciples says, who can do this? Like, you know, who can live like that? If I don't know if anybody can ever get married, if that's going to be the case. That was kind of the, the imp, imp, implication for those who are married. It was like, Oof, man, this calling is holy. And because it's holy, it's heavy. But praise God that we have to learn to rely on his strength and to find that. And so some people, it was heavy because they were really, you know, there was a lot that they had to cast off. A lot had to, you know, pray about and repent of and apologize. It was really beautiful. Um, but the one thing that I thought was very interesting, did not make it in, was this idea of being filled in the spirit. Now, right now, I wonder if you heard you need to be filled with the spirit, what comes to mind? Listen, I'll tell you what came to mind for a long time, because I've kind of had my head and ears in a lot of different um, circles. And to be filled in the spirit, you know, usually would imply, OK, well, it's being taken over by the spirit, where it's now you are kind of maybe the autopilot and the, the spirit is now working in you, speaking in you, doing usually, you know, let's say prophetically, um, you know, sign and wonder, stuff like that. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. And so, that, and usually that was association. Being filled with the Spirit is being controlled by the Spirit. Um, but then there's a very delicate line of at what point does being filled by the Spirit and then you cross over in the sense of now you're just, you're being filled with your emotionalism, and which, which happens. And I've realized that was some of the things in which I called, you know, a Spirit moment was I was just really caught up in the moment. And now I meant well, and God did do th great things, um, but it was really hard for me to start to really tell the difference. If Because here's the thing, as a pastor, I've heard this a thousand times. Pastor, I'm sorry, it's not you. Well, it's actually, it's not me, it's you. Literally, I've heard, I don't know this how many times. Pastor, it's not me, it's you. We don't feel the Holy Spirit is prioritized and welcome in this place. Um, you know, we don't see the Holy Spirit flowing and moving. And by that, they were talking about, you know, again, um, no structure. And, and, and we're just going by the seat of our pants because it's exciting. And, and we see this and we see that. Um, and so I, I hear all of this. And I've had to really learn and grow with what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Because sometimes it does mean, hey, it, it you know, there is no, right now, it, it's not about me. It's about being obedient to the Lord. Um, but there was this one element I thought was interesting in the whole context of marriage and submission. Right before he launches in and says, submit yourselves to one another. And then he goes into marriage and then the other relationships. At the very beginning, he says, be filled with the spirit. And then with singing and, and, and this and that and all this kind of thanksgiving and all these things. And so does it being filled with the spirit mean you're singing? And, and listen, and that's the other thing. The, the four types of songs that were mentioned um, there are not four categories of music. I mean, Paul's is kind of listing things, but really it's not so much 
the singing that's being filled with the Spirit was prophetic. It's the context of what we're singing. Because he talks about the word and teaching. Like, whatever what we're singing and what we're saying, are we filled with the, the word of the Spirit? Because to be filled with the Spirit, here's the, here's the part right here. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit's word. That's the definition of being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with His Word. Because the Bible is the inspired Word of God through the Holy Spirit. I mean, you cannot separate Christ, the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit, not, nor the Father. I mean, it cannot be done. And so I thought that was interesting. And, and he talks about being filled with the Spirit. And then what does he say? What does filled with the Spirit look like? Submission. To be filled with the Spirit is not just to sing. The highlight of being filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Word to the point that you are submitting to each other in love. Agape. Just like Jesus says, if you love me, you would obey my commandments. And if to obey, to obey is to abide. And to abide in my love is to abide in my Word. And to abide in my Word is to abide in me. And so I thought that was interesting because not only does he start the concept of submission with being filled with the Spirit... But then he goes into the armor of God, and right when he finishes the armor of God, he says, pray in the Spirit. And again, we can go on another one of what does it mean to be praying in the Spirit. And so if your definition of praying in the Spirit is not praying in and according to the Word of God as the basis, as the foundation, then what you have is, is it's too small. Because that's what it means to pray, to practice and to pray. In the spirit is to be controlled and filled by the word to the point that it is affecting the way that you live your life. So I never know if you heard or thought associated, submit one another, submit yourself to one another. That's what it looks like to live and be filled with the spirit. Now here is a, another segment of sitting with the Sotolongos in which I bring my wife in and we talk about how we are practicing or trying to practice and have practiced what I just recently preached. Guys, welcome to another segment of Sitting with the... Sotolongos. We are doing it in a little different place because normally in COVID we did it always inside, which is the one we did last time. But this time we are doing it in our really our favorite place in the house, Absolutely. which is... Right. Our, yeah, our back patio. Oh, yeah, yeah, our backyard. We did it uh, this last year. Well, March will make a year. Yeah, already. Yeah. Uh, it goes by fast. And so this is definitely a spot. I mean, right now it's like 40-something outside. Outside, yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we like to hang out out here a lot. And so we have a, you know, watch TV, watch uh, all of, almost all of our... All of our football games are yeah. played, are watched out here. It's, it's our personal... If we're going to watch TV, we're out here. Yeah, and, and this become our personal NFL football suite. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, it's pretty cool. So, anyways, this is our favorite spot. We got the fire going a little bit, so uh, it is like I said, it is a little chilly. But we want to do recap a little bit of this last week. So we just started that uh, we're really kind of started going deep into the you don't completely series and the bottom line that was last week's, and now we're applying it in specific situations. I.e., this week was marriage. Was only people or God made people to complement us complement our life but only god can truly complete us and so he is that missing piece he is the most important one and so uh and then we asked the question on how can we be a person to complement the other and so that was the big application for this week so when it came to husbands and wives um 
there was a lot. How were we to complement one another? And that's what we looked at Paul. And he says in Ephesians, the different ways in which we're supposed to submit to one another. So um, before we, I guess, is there anything you want to add before we go right into some of the, how we're, how we've been learning and still trying to learn how to apply that or just from off the message itself that you can remember? Well, I mean, going on 17 years of marriage, there's a lot we've learned. Um, but I would say for us specifically, we we hit on our seven year mark is when we I think we really hit a place where we realized we're doing a lot wrong. And it's like we both looked at each other as I'm doing something wrong. You're doing like something's missing here. Something's not right. Yeah. Well, actually, it was a 10 year. Was it our 10 year? Because it was the sabbatical. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, so and maybe so, it's seven years when I, I personally was starting to feel a lot of personal things that well, I yeah. was dealing with. That, you know, we had all the, the kids yeah. by then for sure and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but it was at it was at that ten so, year. You're right, mark. you're right. That was a big one for us. And so what we wanted to do is uh really kind of break down a little bit in two phases, because like Alicia was saying, we can easily um divide right now our marriage into two chapters. So it was the first decade and then the last seven years. And so the the first 10, I guess I would say, because the bottom line for the both of us was for the wife, uh, you are to respect the husband. And so respect the role responsibility because your temptation, um, according to even according to natural things, is going to do the most. Right. And then the fellas, our temptation is going to want to do the least, really the most for myself, but the least for others. Um, and I'm supposed to live sacrificially and in a sanctifying way, even with my words. So kind of le- being that servant leader. Um so in your case, what was some of the things that you noticed that things were just not, or looking back, giving yourself a grade, um, what were, before we talk about what we were doing well, let's talk about what were the areas that we needed to improve on when it comes to, at least you're in, and then I'll, I'll say mine. Okay, so for me, um, I was a young bride, got married at 23. Um, I, you know, not a perfect example of a marriage, but I, my parents, you know, went through a lot and stuck through it, through the good and the bad. And so I had a great example in that aspect that, they truly loved each other and they worked together. Like I said, were they perfect? Absolutely not. But I did learn a lot through that. But I obviously never lived outside of my home. I was, again, got married 23, went from my mom's house to my husband's house uh, to our house. Um, and so I was just very new to the whole thing. Um, the word submit, um, especially coming from a family who is mostly made up of not believe non-believers, that word submit was made made me feel like I'm now like, like you own me. Like I just got to do everything you say. And I come from a very uh, long line of like very female strong. Yeah, yeah. Like my family is made up of mostly females um, and they're strong women um, that had to, because of other circumstances, kind of take over both mom and dad roles. So when I was getting married, I was very much put in my head. Don't let no man tell you what to do. You know, you can do everything they can do. You know, submit, submit to your wives. Who's going to, like, it was very much that. Mind you, when we were married, I was a Christian. So I did have a different look on submit, but I'm not going to lie. I had that still in the back of my head. Again, I was 20. Yeah, it, was your, it, was, it was called conditioning and that you yeah. grew up in something yeah. that automatically was going to just come right. out. So. Um, and so definitely I... We, I quickly was pushed into a role of stay-at-home mom after coming from a career of, of working in work, you know, corporate America. I was quickly pushed into stay-at-home mom, and so my role quickly became kids, cleaning, cooking, doing all those things. And then when he would come home and he would just be tired from the day, he would get to play with the kids. And I remember starting Because yeah, I would be out. Like, I would be leaving yeah, at 5.45 leave at five in the morning, right, like, come back at 5.45. Like, I'd be yeah, gone 12 hours. Day. Yeah, and I'm home alone. 
at one point with three kids all under the age of no three, car. no car to go anywhere. I was home alone. Um, and my family, we, we, they, we just, just couldn't help it. My parents had to work, his parents had to work, friends, family had to work. I totally understand. Um, again, our choice to have kids and do all that stuff. So it's no one's responsibility to help us in that area. Um, but I started to feel a, a sense of resentment towards him because he would come home and be super dad. And I had to go into the role from being um, the bad uh, guy. The bad was, guy. Yeah, I was the, the I'm, I was the disciplinarian. I, I was the one that had to teach them, but then also punish them. And then I didn't have time to play because then I'd have I, I have three running around. I didn't have time to sit and play with them individually, or as as a you know them. I'm tired. <laughs> and then when he would come home, it's time to cook and then clean and then bathe the children. And then by the time it's time to to go to bed, I'm just like, we weren't yeah. talking, we weren't communicating. So that resentment built up over years of just watching him get to come home and be super daddy and the good guy. And I always had to be, I, I looked at myself as the bad guy because I was taking, I was allowing him to kind of, I felt like I had to take a step back and this is my role. I'm supposed to cook and clean and do all those things. And then dad gets to come home and, that same and, and relax. And, and yeah, and, and, that, that same and then at the same so that time, was the other part. felt like everything I was doing was going on notice. Like I didn't feel like he was appreciating or showing me love. And you didn't share even those feelings. And I didn't share those feelings with him either. Yeah. I was just assuming he should know. He should know. There you go. And so that was the other thing is like, it, there was, it, this wasn't a thing in which I was actively no, you telling you, right. putting you in your no, place, no, not at expecting all. dinner at the thing. Like not it was all. like, I was just dumb. And so, and I can be a little oblivious like that. And so if she seems okay, then it's okay. You know? And so, and the other part was, it was, yeah, I would come in to be super dad for a little bit, mm -hmm. but then I would now check right back out mm -hmm. and have to go because I was also um, volunteer, uh, not volunteer, but I was past. I was at the beginning of really pastoring. Yep. I was still serving at the beginning for those first three years that we were married. Um, I was heavily involved in the church, volunteer position, still working almost 20 hours as a volunteer. We were mainly with the worship team. Yeah, and that, was, and that was where I, talk about living sacrificially in that that was something that should have been sacrificed. Right. And it was not. And so like, I didn't know, we went right in not knowing the how to develop boundaries, healthy ones. I mean, yeah. I mean and then your first, while you were working before you started having the kids, you know, we, I, we would leave a, together because we had one car so we'd leave at six o'clock at night so i would get out at four something but then i'd have to stay in tampa until sometimes you got out at six or seven and then sometimes later and that. sometimes later only to come back home just to barely eat and crash and do, do it all, it all yeah, over again yeah. i mean it, it was a little weird in the sense that you know we're in our mid to early 20s we're in our in mid to early 20s and the, that honeymoon stage was gone really right. fast because it just felt like i mean like yeah. we were not, we couldn't go. We weren't, we didn't have time to go on date nights. Any free time was usually reserved at church. And yeah, that's and what I'm saying. Things I, like that. I mean, to, to try to spend more time with him, I ended up joining the worship team. So at least when we had to, when he had to be at worship practice, at least which we were there idea. together, which yes, but then it was like, we were only, only always together either in the car but then not speaking either because we're exhausted waking up so early yeah. and then coming home so late and then or at church surrounded by everybody yeah. so we didn't have that alone time really yeah i mean we're like romantic time you know bedroom time that was i mean it was bedtime i mean it was it because yeah and then we because we had to get up the next day yeah. and so we were like zombie mode and then now you throw in kids, kids yeah. and all that stuff so the sleep was a little better the 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 youth another youth um, the 
worship thing, I started changing that. So that was definitely something that looking back, I wish I would have been able to, because that was definitely something that I was living sacrificially for the Lord, but um, singles living sacrificial is different than married sacrificial. And so I was still living the single sacrificial mode for the Lord, giving my all, doing this, doing that, but married. And so that was, I didn't have that good balance. And so, um, and so, yeah, so that, I mean, doing the pastor thing, when we started that, that helped because it almost felt like we were doing it together. Um, but then, yeah, with the kids that, you know, that, that was kind of increasing by, that's what I'm saying by year 10 of us being married and it coincided with our seventh year of my my seventh year of pastoring. So we took a sabbatical and we needed it because I had never taken a sabbatical before. That was something that my, my dad never did. And now in almost 40 years of pastoring. And so it was very weird, but I definitely felt like if I don't quit temporarily, I'm going to end up quitting permanently. And that, that saved our marriage because it was around that time in which, like you were saying, you weren't talking, I wasn't talking. Right. And I could not separate because I was always working. So the only time if I wasn't playing with the kids, my mind went default yeah. back to... we weren't to, talking about the kids or to the kids, we were talking about, about church. church yeah, it was that, about church was because it. we didn't have much time. And I felt like that's what a godly married couple should do, right? right. We're serving the Lord, the Lord, right? And stuff like that. That's what it should be. And no, it wasn't. And not in that case. Because like that we, mentality of there's no burnout. Like, no, we're doing no, this for and God. That's, we're doing and this that's, for God. that's we what we keep were. Going. We got to keep going. Yeah, that's what we were because you hit, you hit a burnout time. I mean, we can't go into detail on that because we don't have time now, but you hit a burnout time. And I remember coming home, seeing you the way, and I did not like that. I'm like, it, it took me by surprise. I'm like saying, what, whoa, what's been going on? And that was when you, re, you know, you realize the importance of, I got to speak up. So she started speaking up and then I'm like, what the heck? So then now I'm starting to make some call, making, I, I felt like I had to, which I did, I needed to step up, but then I didn't have that balance yet. So I lived sacrificially, but I sacrificed myself too far. Yeah. To the point that when you got better, then I burnt out because yep. I didn't have we that tag, balance. We tagged teams. Yeah, I didn't have that balance. I wasn't taking care. I wasn't watching what I was eating, what I was exercising. Like the, there's, there's some things of self-care that are, that are wise it's called stewardship, but because self care almost sounds selfish. But I was not stewarding my body. I was not stewarding my my diet, my mind. I didn't know how to turn my brain off, and so I couldn't sleep. I was a wreck. And so, yeah, that, that sabbatical was a really cool time of healing, and we applied a lot of the stuff. We started doing a lot of this stuff, right? I mean, the reason why I think sitting with the Sotolongos came so easy to us is because that's what we do. I mean, we do then, so often. Yeah, we were, we were already during COVID. Of that, yeah. yeah. We, we, we would sometimes like, I mean, this is why this is our favorite part of the house is because right over there, mm-hmm. right before we had this enclosure, it was just open. And, and then a little, we had a pergola for a minute, but we would just get out of the house, which was, cause if we were inside the house, we're going to watch TV and if we're yeah. going to watch TV, we're going to be zombies. So we got out of the house and did more bonfires than ever. or just stared at the, 10 the stars sun. that we have here in Pasco yeah. County. Because if you, you know, know out here, the the stars are beautiful. You see, I yeah, see so many okay. shooting stars. So we, we got maybe like a, a <laughs> two dozen stars compared to, you know, Hillsborough <laughs> County's maybe four. So it was beautiful. But so we would just stare at the stars and talk. And we would, we, we literally had to learn to talk yeah. by asking questions. And some questions were fun. I mean, and we, we would spend time just instead of watching fantasy, we would Reminisce. create our own, right? Oh, we would yeah. just think about yeah. the future. Right. Or we would go back and, and yeah, like instead of watching reruns of, of shows, we would do our own reruns and we would talk about how we met and this and that and, and what was it? And we kind of really honestly, which is kind of crazy, we learned to study 
ourselves. We we did research. This was us before me going to school. Yeah. And that, I mean, all, you know, as a doctor, it's like you just, I did extensive research. And what's crazy is that you and I learned to do deep research with ourselves. with our, And so we learned the little things about what, what was what was so different about you than, than other girls and what was so different about me and, and all those things. And so that was really cool because, you know, made us feel like we were getting to know each other for the first time, falling in love for the first time. All over again. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, those feelings were coming back. Again, better than, better than the first time. And we would talk about everything, you know, we, we, I mean, there was nothing that was off balance. I mean, we would talk about silly stuff. Um, some very serious stuff, sometimes even traumatic stuff. stuff. Yeah. And, and a lot of those was really hard at, at the beginning when we were doing this, because it was talking about even the submit thing, like it was really hard to love sacrificially and be sacrificial. Um, because now this is the first time feeling like you, you can really talk. And I remember you were feeling these moments in which I was, when you were being really raw and real, I was afraid to sometimes talk because every time I would come up and say, well, love, listen, when, when you talk, or when you when you react that way, this is how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. It was always remember like no, it was, I was always defensive. It was always a defensive. It, it was it always hurt, well it would hurt me, and then yeah. I would I would get defensive and not and it was know like, how well, to if, react. If I say it like that, it's because you also do it, and then only okay, and then and vice versa. And so like, I, but I, I know I would do the same thing too because I would. That's my not. You know, she would say something, and I would feel it inside of me. Oh, well, you're better listen. at keeping it. Yeah, but because together. I felt like that's being sacrificial. I know. So I had to sacrifice yeah. my voice or myself like that too. And so now, but th- at least for me, I instead of me talking, I was actually like having conversation with myself. Why would I say that? And so it's like instead of me just blurting it out, I'm like, I want to say this. And then I'm like, why would I want to say that? And then a lot of times I would realize, no, you're being defensive. You're like, you're not listening. And then, you know, so we've gotten to like do that in the, in which let's say if there is a moment in which, Hey, when you say this, when you do this, it makes me feel that way. Then we get to a point where it's like, all right, not perfect. Yeah. But we'll say, we'll apologize. and say, listen, I'm sorry. I don't mean that. That's not what I meant. And then sometimes we would find out it's this other thing that's causing, like, right. maybe There's I'm stressed out about this, issue. that boom, boom, boom. Or, well, look, when you, when you say that, if, you know, that triggers me like this. And so. And then that, that just finds another thing that we can do. But it was more humble versus attacking. Right. But that takes time and, and practice. And that was something for me I had to also practice. That takes time. I, yeah. I, with you, like, I've always said that it's easier to take something out on someone who loves you unconditionally or, or as unconditionally as a human can um, because you know that they're going to still love you at the end of the day. Like, when it comes to, like, even parents, you know. Yeah you know you you lash out on your kids when you don't mean to or want to because you know they're still going to love you at the end of the day so i would feel that way i would do that with him but i had to learn that he's not my punching bag for when so and so said something or when whatever else happened on the on the sidelines here he's not my punching bag for that um he should be the person i can rely to to help me walk through that and walk me down my feelings instead of me taking it out on him so i had to learn how to do that and i'm still working on it I have, I'm way better at it now. Um, yeah, no, and so. me too. Oh no, me too. Cause um, a lot of times, like I would, I would have my own fix, fictitious punching bag. Like I, I wouldn't have arguments with her. I would turn around and have the argument in my head, but and then I would play it out. I'm like, first of all, I'm glad I didn't say that because even in my own conversation, I'm losing. And so I'm like, 
I'm not thinking that wasn't good. And so, no, I, I've had to do that too. Cause not, not to suppress or not hold on to something and then mull on it later. Yeah. And so, but yeah, but, um, I would say like in this last, the other seven years, I mean, we definitely feel, you know, we, all we've done is just find a couple new things, which is gut, which is normal. Right. Which is, this is kind of like everything else, like constant maintenance, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. like your health and your, car, your mind, your car, this uh, fire eventually is going to burn out, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, marriage constant needs maintenance, and it's so important. It needs to be prioritized. So I know for us, I know like I've because we did this on um, the verse that I just said on Sunday during our last vacation at the fort when we were camping. We did a Bible study on that, and that was really nice. That was the first time we ever incorporated a very deep Bible study um, in a vacation. Yeah, because yeah, normally it's just like okay, my morning reading, and then we go. But yeah. this we actually. Sat. We woke up intentionally, woke up earlier than the kids, drove our golf cart over to um, the, the, best. the, what's it called? Um, my gosh, Trails End, yeah. to go with our rocking church. And if you've seen our video of the fort, you know what I'm talking about. We would grab our coffee and talk about what we read and how what we got from it and how I'm going to apply my portion and how he's going to apply his, what he read. And we would keep each other accountable and, and that's kind of been something new even coming into this new year yeah that i remember like we read a commentary that it was hard for you to you said you admitted it was hard for you to read which i get it there was a commentary about it that it, it was in essence talking about because it was first to the women and uh on this section of women in that as a wife your number one job is to what was it? It was not to prioritize your husband. Your number one job was to help him fulfill his right. purpose. His purpose. Yeah. Right. And so when you read it that way, it, it was... It, it kind was, of was like, eh, wait a minute. My purpose is just yeah. as important. But then I had to, yeah. again, re like bring it back to what that text really is talking Cause about. Because then when you that, read the husband one, and that, yeah. that's, and that was important. Because it's like, ladies, I mean, God in the scriptures calls you the helper. Right. So meaning, like, and that's the crazy part. When I looked at that, it's to be married is honestly, I never, I never saw it this way because, you know, when you think of marriage, you think of falling in love and I just want to be with you and spend, you know, the rest of your life and yada, yada. And with Valentine's Day tomorrow, it's pretty cool. But I never saw it in the sense of which when I, what you'll see when the sermon on singleness coming up on Sunday, marriage is this commitment of saying, it's not just, I want to be with you the rest of my life. It's a commitment saying, I can't live like without you to a certain extent. It's like, I need you. Right. We need each other. To, I need yeah. you to be able. And so it kind of like marriages is choosing of, of that. It's like, I need you to help me for the rest of my life and vice versa. Yeah. And so that was an interesting one because yeah, for, as we were looking at that, I was like wives and that's a sacrifice. Like, that means that, Hey, that means your hopes and dreams, career style, like all those things now have to go. Everybody man has to go on the altar. Right has to go on the altar and and because now two have to become one so two goals two dreams two perspectives two views have to learn to become one team right one team one page and so that's obviously it's a never-ending thing but i thought that was interesting about that like yeah yours is to help me fulfill my purpose and then i know them and my what is my purpose but to help her grow grow into hers which is again that's that feeding into each other which was yeah. i thought that was cool when you look at it that way but um i mean for right now can you think of what are some of the things that we look like we're trying to apply at least learn even now at least for you okay so on the what what areas do you feel like that you need to improve on being more respectful of my role and responsibility 
Do you think um, I would say this is gonna come from an honest place. I'd say where I can get totally better at, and I'm not that I'm not doing it, but sometimes I feel like, um, especially with his role as a pastor, um, I feel like he doesn't need me. So I kind of like try to like, in a way, like back away and just, well, you, you, you got it handled, or at least it seems like you got it handled. So I'm not, but I can do better at asking, how can I help you? Do you need help? Because sometimes I just assume because in, you know, if anyone who knows you, 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 and I know that this is a perception, but because I also see the other side, it just seems like you, you're, you got it all together. You're, you, you're organized. You got your stuff. You have, you, you don't really need, Yeah. but I know that's not the case. No, I'm but just doing that because if I, I'm barely holding it together. Yeah. And, so and so I, I have to, to do better at yeah, I have to do that I take structure. Your, your I need a heavy structure because if not, that's the only way that I keep the plates, the plates balanced. Right. And so, yeah. I would okay. say that it's just, I would say more, um, asking more like, what can I do this week to take something off your plate if I can? Cause there are some things that I can't do because it, it has to be him to do it for whatever re- yeah. reason, but there well, are directly, but there's right, indirectly right. other things, but there so. are things that I can do behind the scenes or even just, and it's something else that would help alleviate yeah. some of your workload. Well, I know like for me, I, I want to know, I, I want to be a little more, conscious of things so for example like i I really memorize that phrase about being sacrificial and sanctifying with my words so for example like if i'm trying i try to i've been trying to develop a trigger in the sense of if i'm hungry and i go to the fridge and i was like all right well is she hungry too like if i'm thirsty and i go to the fridge okay well she thirsty too um and if there's like you know there was it happened the other day it was like a couple pieces of candy left i was gonna eat all of them and then i'm like let me see if she wants one first and so those are those things that in which i would do all the time it was a default thing you know and so it was well i'm hungry i'm gonna eat i'm thirsty i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do you still have that selfishness of you that you just think about yourself in that moment exactly and so i've been trying to do little things like that or or realizing all right you know if i've been um, like finding pockets if I'm working at home. I was like, all right, let me come out and let me do start the laundry for you or help you do this and then go back to what but I'm you doing. Have been doing that. Yeah. And so, again, things that I hate, I hate to break my focus. Yes. Don't like it. I hate breaking my focus. But then I feel like that's something like, all right, because if, because I, I don't like breaking my focus, I can get in the zone and two, three hours can go. And then I'm checked out. And so I know that that's something I have to, I have to intentionally create an off ramp to create an on ramp so that that doesn't happen. So I've been trying to think a little bit like that. And the other one was even be more encouraging with my words. Um, And not that I'm not what I'm not that I'm saying things that I shouldn't be saying. But I guess be more cautious of what I'm saying. Because I remember like there was even this last uh, whatever is recently, you know, saying it was like, you know, Sometimes when you say that, she's talking to me, when you say that, you make me feel stupid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, what? I'm like, like, I don't think you're stupid at all. Like, I mean, I actually say the opposite of how how I think she's smart and this and that. And But I know that it's like this weird thing where it's like a little insecurity that you've had that other people have said. Right. And then if I say something that's kind of then, you know, but at the same time, I, I can't I, I can't be bitter and stupid I was like hey we'll get your act together because then you're making me pay for other people's crap right i know that's not it but at the same time i can be very like i mean i don't know how many times i have said something 
And then we had to spend out here 30 minutes having to like unpack that because I said something halfway or I said something quick in order because I'm saying something else mm -hmm. and it either sounded dismissive, offensive, or it, it just was so incomplete. You have no clue what I'm talking right. about. But the key word and the key thing that you said that we would have never done before is we would we came out here and no matter how long it took, we worked through it and we unpacked it and worked it out instead of just assuming like I would have been in the past and keeping yeah, my mouth shut. I approached him and I told him this is how that made me feel. And we talked about it and we were able to work yeah. through it. And so, yeah, so that was, that right there is de that, definitely way different than what yeah. we would have done. And, and that's actually a perfect example. We can end with that on that one thing on how both of us. So me being sacrificial and sanctifying is how can I just be at least pay attention to what I'm saying, like be a little bit more aware of what I'm saying, number one. And then on your end, being respectful of not assuming what right. what you think I'm saying, but trying to ask and yeah. see. So you're not making I'm not unnecessary you assuming, associations. Right. Yeah, that's a good way of applying the both. So, okay. okay. All right. Anyways, um, so this next week will be fun because we're going to talk about being single. So we get to relive a little bit of how we how we did apply that and uh, how we uh, are so encouraging others to, which is, it was great. But anyways, all right, well, thank you guys. And so until next week. So to recap, guys, I just want to challenge you and encourage you, especially for all the married folks. All right, if you haven't had a chance, go back, listen to the message. Again, it is a difficult one because everything in it, regardless if you are a male or a female, husband or wife, eh, listen, everything in you, it's you're gonna wanna resist that because we don't want to, our flesh does not wanna submit to the word. Our flesh does not wanna submit to the Lord, but uh, we must and thank God that the Holy Spirit and he who is with us is greater than anything against us, including our flesh. And so I want to challenge you, if you are married, go and do that. Watch it together as a, as a married couple. Process it together. And if you are not married, hey, that's the standard, all right? This is what you're looking for. So you can begin to practice those things. How can you, how can you learn to live more Christ-like, self, not self-centered, but learning to live sacrificially selfless in a respectful way? So with that, guys, until next week, uh, I'll see you. And this Sunday is going to be a sermon on singleness. But not only for singles, it's also a good word for all the married folks because you might find yourself single again, whether through divorce or through uh, widow, being widowed. And so that's going to be a good word to be able to encourage uh, all the single people or for you as well, if you ever find yourself in that. But so until then, guys, I just want to remind you, be faithful to the word and the Lord will help you to be faithful in your work.